Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of After 9. We're going to talk penises this morning or oh. today. Whenever you happen to be listening, we're going to talk about celebrities. We're going to talk a little bit about COVID. We're going to talk about Joe Biden. And we're going to talk about Pierre Polyev. What is the note about Johnny Depp's penis, by the way? I saw that on oh, your paper I, and I thought, oh, what a strange thing to write first thing in the morning. This is just so difficult to keep track of this trial, by the way. Um, there's so much being brought to light. Some of the shit's being made up and some are actual witness testimonies between Amber Heard and, and Johnny Depp. It's basically like a trial of embarrassments and I kind of feel bad. Kind of for her, mostly kind of for him. Uh, we don't know what happened in the actual relationship, but it doesn't even matter when you see some of these headlines. It's being recorded right now. This is a defamation lawsuit. For those that don't know, he is suing her for like whatever it is, 50 million, 100 million. She's suing him back. Fine. So it's all one big trial that's really ugly. And some of the witness testimony from yesterday included text messages between he and a doctor. And he made a joke to the doctor about will he be able to lick his own penis when he's done making a joke. Right? Oh, I've had that conversation you know, with my doctor. And, and and I guess it was like just a light, lighthearted comment from what I can tell. But he can't stop laughing. <laughs> he can't stop laughing as he's sitting there attempting to just take have a little composure there. Johnny, come on. His lawyer's like, come on, Johnny. And he's giggling. And then there's another moment. I actually, if we can play this, that would be great. There's another moment, um, a witness who is a friend of, or was a friend, I think, of Amber Heard's. And Amber Heard, for those, maybe you don't even recognize the name Amber Heard. She was, is an actress. Um, she's been in a few things and she was married to Johnny Depp. And she's younger than him by quite a bit. So I guess when he would do like his usual, like around the house on a Saturday night kind of things, it wasn't really her cup of tea, if you will. At one point, he had over friends from his band. And for those that don't know, he's got a little side band. They don't even make money. They just jam for fun, which includes Joe Perry. And who's the other guy, too? Joe Alice Perry Cooper. And Alice Cooper. Thank you so much. Okay, so, uh, yeah. I you, you understand it. A certain demographic, you think that's probably amazing. Amber Heard thought it was fucking boring. Listen to this. What else did Miss Heard say about feeling insecure? She told me she didn't like hanging out in his house with his friends because it, it was boring and they were all old men playing guitars and it wasn't interesting to her. Get the fuck out of here. You mean to tell me that you're married to Johnny Depp, the Johnny Depp, and Johnny's like, I'm going to call a couple of friends to come over and jam. He calls Alice Cooper and Joe Perry, the guitarist from Aerosmith, mm-hmm. and most people would be like, I got to get my phone out. I got to record this. This is crazy. And you're like, I'm bored. I don't want to do this anymore. This is boring. Who are you people? Why do you have eyeliner on? This is strange. What is wrong with Amber Heard? <laughs> well, I mean, again, yeah, I, I could picture that, though. Couldn't you? Couldn't you picture it? That, like, she's much younger than him. She sees these people over. These people don't matter to her. She doesn't want to do this on, like, a Saturday night. And he's got his friends jamming. And she's bored. This is this is why you got to figure out what you really want in life before you just think, yeah, I'm going to do this. And this is what that's actually the kind of testimony that Johnny Depp really needs and wants is that there's any type of proof that Amber wasn't really with him because she loved him. Because one would argue you marry that person, then you support them no matter what. And if they want to jam out with their friends, fine, whatever. But she was complaining on the side to all her friends about how boring it was and how terrible it was. 
I don't know. Like, it's kind of a selfish argument when you're talking about, I don't know. We don't really know. We, we, we're only hearing little bits and pieces. It is kind of a weird thing. I mean, when you do get into a relationship with somebody, you have to kind of take on some of their interests and hobbies. I don't think my girlfriend watched many Leaf games until we got together. And now, wouldn't you know it, she's watching every night, See? hoping Austin Matthews scores. See? So so things like that do happen. And you kind of, when you when you really do care about somebody, you do get involved. It doesn't mean you have to love it. It doesn't mean that she has to sit there and be like, can I sing in the band while you guys play? No, 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 no. But you tolerate it enough. Also, I'm sure it was a very big house. I'm sure it's not like you couldn't have gone somewhere else and done your own thing. Yeah, they're not living in an 800-square-foot condo. Right? So the trial, I find, is just so interesting, but it's just really embarrassing. They also brought up the shit on the pillow thing. I don't know if you heard that from his initial lawsuit against the tabloid, which actually he lost, um, which included stuff about Amber. But this one's a lot more serious. It's about abuse allegations, too. So we're going to get a little more in-depth with these. But if anything else fun comes from it, we'll let you know. Every year they do this, and I'm not exactly sure why, other than just for general interest. I don't think there's a medical need for it, but... The penis length of men around the world is studied, and 86 different countries are represented this year on the list of who's packing the biggest peckers. So they wank them. They did wank them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when you go through it all, who do you think has got the biggest penis? Would you say, oh, I don't know, the Americans? Would you say the Russians, the Italians, the Spanish? Who's got the biggest units on the planet? Okay, so this is by, God, this is by country. Yep. Um, and can you give me like a multiple choice? Like I don't want to offend anybody or make anyone feel a certain way. Can you give me like a, a multi-choice on the number one? Sure. We'll say Cuba. Bolivia, Ecuador, Japan. Uh, Ecuador. Ecuador has got the biggest uh, units on the planet. <laughs> with an average of 6.93 inches. When, by the way, Scott, when do you stop? When do you get your me- penis measured? Like, when does this happen? Who's coming to your house with a ruler? That's what they're doing with all the old COVID uh, vax clinics. <laughs> Now all the guys just go and get their peckers measured. They just go get their dick measured. Yep. And then they get a lollipop. <laughs> the uh, the Ecuadorian people lead the world with an average of 6.93 inches. There are 21 different countries over 6 inches. Ecuador, Cameroon, Bolivia, Sudan, and Haiti. At just 5.35 inches, the Americans barely beat out Japan. At 5.34 inches. The UK is at 5.17 inches. And Ireland's at 5.03 inches. You're wondering, right? How's Canada doing? Well, Canada, as you know, is a great big melting pot. There's people here from all around the world. Sure, that's true. But amongst those born in Canada, Canada and Mexico both ranked higher than America. Mexico is 29th, 5.87 inches. Canada is 12th at 6.19. Some of the biggest cocks on earth are right here in Canada. (laughs) Right under your noses. (laughs) Last on the list is Cambodia at 3.95 inches. 
Taiwan is four and a quarter. The Philippines, 4.27. Sri Lanka at 4.29. And Hong Kong at 4.41. This doesn't help stereotypes, does it? It doesn't help the stereotypes. It It doesn't. (laughs) Because everybody's got this magic, stupid number in their head. Eight inches. Eight inches. No, that's not even realistic. The biggest on earth are 6.93. Average. Average. Yeah, and I know there's some that are bigger. (laughs) There's some that are smaller. I know how an average works. But still. Even the places, though. Even the, the, the stereotypes about rice play a factor in this. Yep. What you just said. It's oh, sure they interesting. do. Again, I just want to know like, who's going around measuring and who's, do people just volunteer for this? Don't girls do that in their recreational time? It's part of their own little research that they do, isn't it? We use it? palm to, t- to tip, though. It's a little bit different. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you still seem to have formed a number, even though you never formally mentioned yeah. it and, and, and probably told everybody you know. But uh, here we are. Now we know who has got, for this year, the biggest And if you're at the bottom of the list, you'll get him next year, slugger. (laughs) Don't worry. Well, just work out a little bit more like any other muscle. You got to use it. That's the thing is like you really can't help that. You really can't. What do we do with uh, people that are just learning to drive and then do damage in the process of learning how to drive? Oh, my God. What do we do about those people? It seems like in your middle years. I mean, after you've learned how to drive, but before you get to senior citizen age, you're probably a shitty driver. Let's be honest. Most people are. They'll do a lot of things wrong every time they're behind the wheel. But they don't do any of the catastrophic stuff that we hear about on the news every day that seem to only happen to new, unexperienced drivers and old people who aren't paying attention. A 53-year-old woman who only had her, her G1 was learning how to drive. And somebody thought, where can we go to practice driving that is not going to be busy so you don't need to worry about any pressure or stress from other drivers. You can just practice steering and using the gas and the brake. This woman from Boston decided she was going to give it a go. This past Saturday, a family family member let her practice in their Range Rover Oh, no. Why would you do that? At a cemetery. And the joke was, well, (laughs) you can't kill anybody here. She didn't kill anybody, but she did run down eight tombstones when she mistook the gas for the break. What happened to the Walmart parking lot? That's what I was wondering. Didn't everybody learn that way? That's where I learned was like the big super center parking lots after hours. That's where I would go. And my dad would be like, okay, here you go. And I'd make mistakes for sure. I'd hop the curb. We certainly weren't. We were not driving a Range Rover. That's for sure. The Buick Regal took a couple of hits. But but that's where I learned. You, you, you've hopped a curb in the Walmart? I, I mean, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did at some point. I'm terrific now. I only hop curves like once every month or so. It's not bad. All right, fine. Uh, what else can we tell you today? The uh, <laughs> A couple of the airlines are in the news here in Canada. Swoop is the ultra low-cost carrier that belongs to WestJet. Swoop is just flat out telling us now. Because of market forces and the very high price of jet fuel, which is up 129% year over year compared to last year. They're going to be passing on the cost of those fuel expenses to the consumers. I think we all expected that. 
And it's funny because we know the prices are going up. There's not any deals really to be had in the sky right now, but they say more people are flying than ever before, despite the high cost. There's some flights that I used to do fairly regularly. I'll give you an example. I used to be able to fly from Toronto to Indianapolis. That was a $140 flight on a bad day, $119 on a good day. All right, well, even if it was at $140, I could deal with it. That's a $700 flight return now. The prices are insane. Wow. And it's, it's a combination of jet fuel and staffing costs and this, that, and the other thing. But with so many people that were upset about mandates and rules and restrictions and things like that, I would have thought that the airlines are kind of suffering, but they're all doing well and they're flat out advertising. Yeah, the prices are going to be going up. It's because of the price of gas. You can call it just inflation. This is what's going on. Deal with it. And people are going to deal with it, except for the people at Sunwing. You know, we have this passenger bill of rights in Canada that nearest I can tell isn't really serving a whole lot of people, but it does seem to create a good distraction for the airlines who seem to spend a lot of time trying to get out of it. Sunwing was having a network-wide system issue for the last couple of days for a number of their flights on Sunday and Monday. They couldn't fly. They couldn't even board people on the plane because the whole check-in and baggage system that they use wasn't working. Uh Uh-oh. But that doesn't change the calendar. People showed up at the airport because, hey, you're Sunwing. I have a ticket. I'd like to go to Cancun, please. Airline couldn't do it. At one point, they sent an entire plane full of people that were supposed to be going to the Caribbean over to one of the airport hotels. They said, yep, it's a system issue. It's not going to get resolved right now. We're going to check you guys into a hotel, meet in the lobby tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. There's going to be a shuttle. It'll bring you back. We'll board you on the plane and get you down to the Caribbean. So people thought, oh, this is shitty. I'm losing a night of my vacation. I don't blame them for being upset. I'd be the same way. (laughs) So they were down in the lobby at 8 a.m. the next morning waiting for their Sunwing shuttle. Not a single person from Sunwing was there, and that shuttle didn't arrive until 2 o'clock that afternoon. No. Yeah. Hours and hours and hours later. Did they board a plane at least? It's not clear if that particular plane did get boarded, to be honest with you. This was a major issue, they said, that just prevented them from being able to board passengers. Uh, My question to you is, it wasn't that long ago. Before we had these automated check-ins and barcodes on the bag tags and all that stuff, where we did this no problem with no computers, you just wrote it down. And if somebody uh, showed up at the airport and said, I'm supposed to be on this flight, you could just check the manifest and say, oh, yeah, Joe Smith, you are supposed to be on this flight. Get out of here, you crazy son of a bitch. Have a good time (laughs) in the Caribbean. Yeah, I mean, I know it's more complicated now. Security is a lot tighter, and that does involve a lot of information that is saved on their network, I assume. But yeah, there's got to be a backup. Like nobody had like a USB, like ready to go, (laughs) like to back it up, like nothing. Um, I know there's bigger fish to fry, but doesn't that make all the other airlines kind of go, what's our contingency plan? Or do we have one? Or do other airlines have one? And Sunwing just happens to be one of those ones that does not have a backup plan. I feel like this information should be on more than one network. And also, I'd have questions if I was one of those people on that was supposed to be on that Sunwing flight. Like, where's my information? What do you mean? Have you been hacked? Is my information vulnerable? Because you give a lot of information when you go aboard these flights. Sure. You expect it to be secure. If it's secure 
okay, cool, but why can't you get into it? I'd like to know more information, please. And like you said, that should be like one of those things that we have every single right to know the answer to. I'll give you an example. Here at the radio station where we work, we have a backup. And it's not advanced. It's not some feat of modern technology. If our network goes down, there's a box of CDs that we have to go to and we actually play CDs. Kick it old school. Just like we used to 20 years ago. Now, of course, all the music is saved on a computer hard drive and we just touch the screen and the song starts. Real easy. They, they've made it idiot proof for the most part. Mm. But if something goes down with that system, we can still function. How come the airlines, when there's a glitch in their software, are completely grounded? Is there really no way to do this? No old school backup redundancy where you can just write shit down? A ticket? Not on your phone? Yeah, for years your ticket wasn't on your phone. You actually had a boarding pass that you had to show somebody. Yeah. Why can't we go back to that if there's a problem? Yeah. It's because there's too much information saved. On 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 the networks. That's that's exactly what it is, and it beca- it comes down to a safety and a security. Because all it takes, all it would take, is for one person that doesn't belong on that flight to manage to s- squeak on, and and the odds of this are so slim because the person would have to go all the way to the airport and go through with this big ordeal just to get on the plane. And something happens, God forbid, to that person, then Sunwing's in trouble. So they don't want to be in trouble. They want to make sure that they, you know, whatever, cross all their T's and dot all their I's and blah, blah, blah. But still, I, I agree. It's, it's horse shit. We need to do something about it. We're going to talk about the dogs coming up in a few minutes. But first, where are you at with the two things that are getting voted on next? First off, we have a provincial election, which is coming up in early June. Mm-hmm. That is Doug Ford running for re-election. And then there is the conservative leadership race. And we haven't talked about it much, but it's actually really interesting. I noticed something yesterday that I wanted to point out about the, the federal leadership race. And we'll get to that. With the province, has anything changed since the last time this came up last week? I think Doug is still basically cruising to a majority, probably a bigger majority than he has now at this point. I would say so, yep. Today, Stephen Del Duca, the leader of the Liberals, is going to try anything he can to try and get some traction. He's going to make what he calls is a major policy announcement to keep Ontarians safe. Mm-hmm. That's not COVID, right? Like, he's already played that card. He, he tried to do the whole restrictions thing, and then he did a whole bunch of rallies with no masks anywhere and lost all credibility. I would hope that this isn't a COVID thing. If he's going to try and make us all safe, I don't know. What, is he going to paint the lines in the middle of the road pink so you can see them better? I don't understand what more he can do. He's come up with a backup for Sunwing so that (laughs) (laughs) no Canadians here forward should ever be inconvenienced. Yeah, I don't, who knows, right? I mean, at this point for me anyway, and everyone's different. So don't let this impact you, okay? And your choices. For me, everything from here to June is just gobbledygook it really is actually from like october to now is basically gobbledygook you know that they're doing it just to get votes you know that they're saying shit that they wouldn't actually put into motion if they get voted in and some of it might be some of it might seep through sometimes it does right where there's an election promise and holy shit it actually happened maybe right away maybe it takes months maybe it takes years like ten dollar a day child care etc maybe it takes a while but for, for me it's all shit scott they could just come out and be like blah 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 blah, blah. and i'd be like okay cool like, it doesn't matter what they say. Stephen Del Duca's in a great position. 
There are no expectations that he can or will win this, so he can promise anything he wants. His biggest problem in life right now is figuring out what he's going to do the day after the election and figuring out what the fuck he's going to do if he does actually win. Because yeah. if you win, oh, fuck. oh shit, do I have to do everything I said? <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> like legally? <laughs> right now he can promise anything he wants. And sure. even his own party has basically con- conceded defeat. They're trying to organize a coalition with the, the NDP provincially to try and unseat Doug Ford. But when you look at the polls, even if we, you add them both together, they won't beat him. So the whole thing is just a waste of all of our time and money. And I think that's part of the reason that nobody's really talking about this election that's coming up in a few months, even though it hasn't actually begun yet. I'm following the conservative leadership race, probably a little closer than most are. Have you heard any names that made you think, Maybe I should look into this person further because Pierre Polyev, for example, is drawing crowds in the thousands. It's almost like Trump. When Trump was campaigning in America, Polyev is getting comparative crowds across Western Mm -hmm. Canada. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely interested. I'm definitely interested because it's a it is a a piece to the puzzle. Right. And when we're going to be able to even vote is, I guess, a question mark. But knowing that it's happening, yeah, I have interest in it. There's nobody that super like sticks out for me. Like you mentioned Pierre Polyev, maybe it's because we have talked about him on the podcast and we did actually play some audio from him. And there's some been things that he said that actually I'm cool with. I don't hate. So yeah, I'm interested. I uh, I see it a different way. I'm actually a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried that this is going to go sideways on the Conservative Party of Canada, and they don't even realize it yet. Uh, Pierre Polyev. I don't know if he's going to win the federal leadership race. If if you base it on crowd size, then yeah, of course. I mean, he's drawing bigger crowds than Leslin Lewis and Patrick Brown and Jean Charest. But those crowds are passionate. They're really, really, really behind Pierre Polyev. They believe that Pierre is the guy who is going to restore freedom and give them back choice and all of the other things that Pierre is promising to do. The problem is he's not that electable in a general election. Any poll that I've seen so far that puts Polyev against Trudeau has Trudeau winning another majority government. And that's what conservatives need to ask. Do you want the guy that you like or do you want the guy that can win? Nearest I can tell, the only one who can actually win against Justin Trudeau is Patrick Brown. Mm -hmm. He says that all the time and he's quite right. He takes away votes that the liberals take for granted with many multicultural audiences. He has won time and time again in Ontario and in the GTA, which has been very hard for any conservative to do. Uh, Patrick Brown is probably the most electable one if he wins the leadership. It looks like if you, again, just go off crowd size, Polyev is on his way to winning that. But even with that, it's a ranked ballot. And this is what's going to cause the confusion. Pierre Polyev needs to get 50% of the vote on the first ballot because he's going to be the first choice probably of the most amount of people. But if he's not the first choice of the majority, then they go to the second ballot. And that's where guys like Patrick Brown and Leslin Lewis are going to do very, very well. Jean Charest is just wasting everyone's time. But if somehow Polyev, because of the ranked ballot system, doesn't win, I'm almost afraid there's going to be another movement to split the party back into the Reform Party and the Conservative Party. And that's probably not good for anybody either. 
So it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next little while. Uh, I've got an invite out to all of them if they ever want to come on After 9. I, I'm happy to talk to them. I'm happy to talk to anybody. I, I don't know. Is, is Stephen Del Duca listening? Uh, Steve? You're not going to win in June, but you're most welcome to come on the podcast and give it your best effort if you want to try and talk to people about what it is you stand for. I'd like to talk to Peter Uni. That'd be really a good time. Will you stop moaning? <laughs> How do you think he's feeling right now after? I mean, he can see that it's up, right? I, I would think that he can see it's over in the States. You've got Joe Biden there mm-hmm. running the show and and some American policies, particularly the federal American policies, are kind of in alignment with Canada. It's true. If you're unvaxxed in Canada, you can't go anywhere. You can't get on a plane in Canada because you're unvaxxed. You can't cross the border to the States and fly from there because you need to be vaxxed to get into America. And it's just Biden and Trudeau that are keeping up these ridiculous policies But the courts are striking them down left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. Just yesterday, a federal court in Florida ruled that the U.S. mask mandate must be struck down. They struck down the mask mandate? The president? Yeah. This was Joe Biden's CDC that put this in place. And yesterday, the judge voided the mandate because it, and I quote, exceeded the authority of federal health officials. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention improperly failed to justify its decision and Mm. did not follow proper rulemaking Mm. procedure. So the Biden White House says the rule is not going to be enforced while federal agencies decide how to respond to the judge's order. Joe, it's simple. There's nothing to decide. The courts have ruled. Freedom has prevailed. And people who want to wear a mask still have every right to wear a mask. And they do. And, and they do and they wear will. a mask. Sure. And they will. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it comes to travel. Can I just say that that's one thing? That's one area that I don't know if I'll ever not wear a mask yeah. is in those those circumstances. But if I'm driving across the border, you know, the vaccine mandate thing, that's what gets me. I'll just say that much. That's what gets me. Like, we need to stop with that shit. We really do. Yeah. It's weird how it's applied. I mean, I'm looking at uh, the most companies that had a a mandate in place requiring vaccination have quietly backtracked on that. They've quietly uh, realized, yeah, sorry, we were completely misled by public health and our government officials. We didn't realize. So we're sorry. Here's your job back. A lot of companies have done that, but still some haven't. I'm looking at the universities. It's still a policy at many Canadian universities that you must be fully vaccinated to set foot on campus. Mm-hmm. These are institutes of higher learning that still haven't learned a very basic thing that the rest of us know. So uh, we really need a little bit of leadership. Somebody's got to come forward and say, <clears throat> this is the way it is. And when it comes to our federal mandates, the transportation minister, Omar Agabra, I, I think he actually realizes what bullshit this is. He seems like a fairly smart guy. But like we said last week, all he does is get led around the House of Commons by the dick like uh, somebody walking their dog. And, and Trudeau's people just keep telling him, yeah, yeah, just go out there and yep, ignore the question. Avoid the question. If you actually have to answer the question, we're listening to the advice of federal officials. But they're not answering anything. People want to know what's going on with this federal mandate. Why are we still doing this in Canada? And they haven't gotten an answer yet. So I have a feeling it's coming to a head, and I have a feeling that this will not even be an issue by about the second or third week of May, as I understand it. But I did mention dogs. Who's in better shape? You or Leo? 
Oh, no. Poor Leo. Leo's, well, my dog's older, right? If this was like three years ago, I'd probably say my dog for sure. I'd say maybe we're tied. (laughs) I don't know. We're tied. He could, he's, he, he gets tired very easily now. How old is he? 11. 11. Okay. All right. So that's old for a dog. For sure. For sure. He's a senior. 44% of people exercise with their dog at least once a week on average. Typically, it's taking the dog for a walk, a jog, or a bike ride. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's easy. At least once a week. Of course. As for diet, almost 70% of dog owners say that paying attention to what their dog eats has led them to pay more attention to what they eat. Really? It had never occurred to you... (laughs) What you're eating might not be the best fuel for your body until you looked at the ingredients on your bag of dog food. Well, here's the thing with humans. We are sometimes the absolute worst when it comes to taking care of ourselves or looking into things, right? We think that, ah, we know what we're talking about. But then you go to a vet visit, let's say, for example, and the veterinarian will be pretty straightforward. They are there for the animal. They are rooting for the animal. That's what they're there for. That's what I love about veterinarians. And they'll ask you, what in the fuck are you feeding your dog? Have you seen this ingredient list? Because they'll ask you, right? What was your dog eating right now? And you look through the ingredient list and that's when you kind of learn a couple of things. Now, although we do not eat dog food as humans, you're not supposed to, um, we it, it makes us maybe reflect on what, what's in our food. And, and Scott, not a lot of people even understand how to read an ingredient list. This goes back. I'm not even 100% see, clear and, on and it. And this is why, and, and I, there's no fault of your own. I feel like we need to, we should have, this has been one of the many things that we should have been taught as we grow up in school. For example, we, we take these courses and or or maybe uh, maybe it's an elective course when you're older, maybe even in school when you're talking like when you're taking like health class that you're too young at that point to really even care about the ingredients in your food. Once you get a little bit older, I'd even argue in high school, you don't give a shit either. But there should be this should be a part of a course. It's amazing how many people don't understand a label. They don't understand or they read ingredients and they go, yeah, I don't know. Are you even under- supposed to understand what any of these things are? Yeah, you should. You're consuming it in your, with your body. So maybe you should. And I'm not saying I'm perfect there either. Sometimes I'll just grab something and then later I go, oh, fuck, look at that content. Whoops. That's too much of this or that. But I think a lot of us really ignore it. But when it comes to our pets, we tend to focus on it because we are their caretakers. Right. And, and kids alike, I hope. I hope that people take the time to read the ingredient list for, for things that their kids eat on a regular basis, too. The thing that I don't understand about those labels is it'll usually say, okay, contains X amount of sodium. And then there's a percentage. This is the percentage of your daily recommended intake. So you could eat, I don't know, a Whopper at Burger King. <laughs> and if you actually read the label, and yes, you can get the label on the website or you can mm-hmm. ask and they'll give it to you. Yeah. If you look at that and see that, oh, okay, this Whopper is... of my daily intake of sodium, I don't know if it is or not, I'm just guessing that it's probably pretty high, then you would know that for the rest of the day you have to take in less sodium. But I feel like people are either bad at math or they don't give a shit. Yeah, I think there's a lot of not giving a shit. There are people listening now that go, yeah, fuck, who cares, guys? I'm not giving a shit about that. And that's fine. And that's the way you want to live. Because I I feel like when it comes to your body, you do you. You do you, boo-boo. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because it's going in your mouth. But then when you take care of other people or or animals, that's when you do start to care. And maybe that is a reflection of, okay, maybe I should take better care. Like if my dog's eating better food than me, that's probably a problem. But going back to what you said about labels, I think we each need to figure out what's most important to us because it's hard to find that one thing unless we all just want to eat like 
I don't know, it, it, chicken breast with with a small salad every day. We're not going to do that. So it's important to know what is important to you. So is sodium the thing you want to definitely focus on? Maybe it's grams of sugar. Like there maybe there's a certain gram number you do not want to go over. And that's the case like for my kids, for example. I don't buy anything double digits and over unless it's a treat. That's it. But there are certain things that we should focus on. But again, there's not enough people that understand how it works. But why was that overlooked? Again, I don't understand why we've got thousands of television channels, but nobody's put on a special that says, hey, if you'd like to be a little bit healthier, watch this show Tuesday at 8 o'clock, and we're going to tell you what you should be looking for at the grocery store. Yeah, I don't think that would be a hit. (laughs) I I thought it would be. I'd watch that. I don't think it would be a hit. But this is why the information's out there. This is the thing is the information's there. Every single piece of information is online available to you at your fingertips on YouTube right now. You can go to any type of nutritionist that does this for a living that actually puts out videos that's very easy to follow. But not enough of us even go out of our way to do it for ourselves. Well, I'd just like to know how many apples I should be eating in well, a day. But that's what your dog, like, and this is, the, this is the other point that I'll make, is that we don't tend to care enough about ourselves to go to those doctor's appointments. We go to the vet for our pets. We listen to what they have to say. How often is it that you just call up your doctor and make an appointment just because you just want to check in on what you're eating? You don't. We don't, and we, we don't as a society. We don't put in the initiatives usually. Unless we happen to know someone, and then if you know somebody who's like a nutritionist, for example, then you feel like, oh, I don't want them to preach at me. But they do know information that you might want to know. And it isn't until we get into these health situations in our lives. Maybe we, uh, God forbid, you know, find out we have something we didn't know about. We become diabetic. We get cancer. Then we start to realize, oh, shit, maybe I should pay attention to that. And for a lot of people, it's too late, I think. But for some people, no. Okay, last question on this, because I do find this fascinating, and I try and eat as healthy as I can. I don't eat any takeout. I've cut all the takeout out of my diet. No fast food, no breakfast sandwiches, nothing. I don't enjoy cooking, too, and that's important. I do, absolutely. That's a big part of it. But is there a place I can go? That will give me accurate information in that I can say, you know what? Tonight I'm having burritos for dinner, which I actually am. So it'll tell me, all right, if you're having burritos and you added two tablespoons of black bean and you had some ground beef with taco meat and you added some shredded cheese and chopped tomato and some jalapeno peppers and this was the tortilla, that's how much how many calories you took in, how many grams of fat and all that sort of stuff. Because part of the problem is it's all well and good to look at ingredients or, oh, hey, I'm going to make some rice. And it says this is the amount of carbs. Fine. But then on the side, you could have vegetables that are also real carb heavy. You could have a protein that's got a little bit of carb in it. It's not really keeping track of your cumulative total throughout a meal or throughout a day. It depends on how how much work you want to put in. There are a ton of apps where you could input all of that information and get the nutritional value for it. Can I just tell Google I'm having a burrito yeah. and it just tracks it for me? Yeah, it's not going to happen. It'll, it'll give you some form of an idea, but not based on what you did. But there's some great apps for everything, like anything you can imagine, whether you're looking at reducing your fat content or you're actually trying to up it with keto, with healthy fats. There are so many apps, so you could do it. You could do it meal by meal, but you have to take the initiative to actually plunk in all that information. 
all in in one spot and then be honest about how much of it you ate yeah. is the other thing right that's too much work that's yeah. that's that's what i mean too though. personal a question so so the answer is no unless you want to get a personal chef and this is one of the reasons why the, by the way why all of those pre-designed uh, meal plan services whether it's your chef's plate or your hello freshes or whatever are popular because they come with the ingredients ready to go and the nutritional information they just have far too much waste though i'll throw it out there to you guys because i did a whole endorsement deal with hello fresh and it was great my family loved it. My kid even ate the food. I had no, the only complaint I had, packaging. Too much packaging. I felt it was very wasteful. And that was the only downside. But aside from that, it was pretty good. Yes, you're going to spend a little bit more, I think. But but your, but your list is done for the week. Your groceries are done for the week. You learn how to cook a whole bunch of things. You see the nutritional value. You can order by nutritional value if you want. And those kind of things, I think, are, are important. That's why they have become so popular, I think, because people, when they do start to realize, maybe I need to take a look at this. It's kind of a shock for some people to their system where the usual food that they're eating is probably something they should cut back on. I'm glad you mentioned wasteful packaging because there's too much of that for sure. But Taco Bell several years ago got rid of their Mexican pizza. And at the time they said one of the reasons they were getting rid of their Mexican pizza was because it had wasteful packaging. They hadn't figured out how to package a pizza in a sustainable way. Now they're bringing back the Mexican pizza. The packaging looks exactly the same, but it's got a new ad campaign. And they're hoping that people will try a Mexican pizza. And maybe you're wondering, the fuck is a Mexican pizza? What is that? <laughs> it's good. I'm going to tell, tell you in just a sec. Sorry, my headphones just kicked out there. Uh, I will tell you in a sec. But first off. I want to play for you. This is Doja Cat that did this. Yeah, Doja Cat warned us. Warned us. Actually, warned us because she said the jingle's terrible. Now, listen. I think uh, that this jingle isn't necessarily terrible. I see where she's coming from, and then it's not the best. But I think she's also purposely playing it up, like, "Oh, guys, it's a terrible jingle" because it's a part of her endorsement deal with Taco Bell as she introduces the Mexican pizza. I got beans, I need meat I need a shell with the sauce and cheese Give you hell if you cross me We about to throw hands if you want try me This ain't been new, I will end you If you ever dare to go discontinued I don't share when I read from menu Y'all want everything I eat, I've been through Yes, I eat, I eat, I eat I like my pizza, but refried beans Peep my ad, search YouTube This ain't even Mexican food But I don't care when the clock hits 2 a.m. p.m. if that is your mood Mexican pizza is the pizza for you and me See, like, it's a joke. It's did, a joke. Did she ad-lib that? No, it's a joke. Like, I, I'm telling you, this, it's brilliant, though, because she, she teed it up as a joke. She performed part of it at Coachella. At fucking Coachella this week. I weekend. wonder how much they paid her to do that. This is the thing, right? It's brilliant for Taco Bell. It's it's fine for Doja Cat. I'm sure she got a lot of money for it. That's great. And we all know that it doesn't. it's not the best sounding jingle you've ever heard in your life. But it does bring up all those things about Mexican pizza. In the jingle, she says it's not. We all know it's not Mexican food. Yeah. In the damn jingle for Mexican pizza. Like, that's brilliant to me. It's not it. Mexican or Italian. That's why I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> the fuck is it? You know what? We used to, So we used to make it. Like, growing up, we used to have Mexican pizza was like a regular on our list but my mom's a vegetarian we used to do the vegetarian style so not any of the no meat involved but the refried beans which actually she mentions in the song i didn't even realize until just now she mentions it but you use that as like the paste as like the sauce you can also put sauce in there too 
And then you you bake that with the cheese, okay? So everything's nice and melty and bubbly and just the way you want it. Nice and melty. Nice and melty and bubbly. And then you put the toppings on after the fact. So a little fresh lettuce and tomato. You can even put a little dollop of sour cream on there. You eat it with a fork and a knife. I mean, you can go ahead and eat it with your hands if you want to. But you eat it with a fork and a knife because it's quite messy, especially with all the lettuce. And Bob's your fucking taco uncle. It's It's just delicious. But this is so lazy. A pizza involves getting dough and rolling the dough. A pizza is lazy. A pizza, no. A pizza is easy. First off, a don't pizza, you fucking point at me like that. I'm pointing at you and I'm telling you. You, you put that fucking finger down. Because I know, I know. You, a pizza is easy. Don't fucking tell me a pizza is complicated. It's not. You got the fucking dough. Fine. If you want to go ahead and roll some dough, go ahead. Or you could just buy a crust. You got sauce. You got forms of cheese, different kinds if you want. You got your veggies. You got your meat if that's what you want. You're done. It's not complicated. It's very complicated no. if you do it properly. No, it's not complicated. You, your pizza shouldn't be complicated. You you have dough and you roll it out and then you're going to cover it with some sauce. You're going to put some meat and some cheese and some veggies on it. Good, good. What these fuckers here at... Sorry, I shouldn't say these fuckers because, <laughs> I mean, eventually I'd like them to sponsor the pod. But what Taco Bell here did, they just took a regular run-of-the-mill tortilla and they covered it in Mexican ground beef. Okay, so they're not doing it like... I shouldn't even call it a legit Mexican pizza because, yeah, we don't even know what that means. But that's their version of it. Just like their version of a taco is a taco. Someone who makes real tacos laughs at their tacos or fajitas or whatever the hell else they make there. But this, all they did was cover a tortilla with uh, taco seasoned ground beef. Then they layered another tortilla on top of it. So I think we're rapidly losing any value of having the tortilla because you've doubled it up. You might as well have just put it on a bun. And then they add cheese and chopped up tomato, and uh, looks like there's a queso or something like that on there as well. Basically, it's like a tortilla sandwich with cheese yeah. on top of it. That's not a pizza. Yeah, that sounds like there's more of a quesadilla. It's not a piece of crust, right? Thank you. Yes, it's okay. very similar to mean. a quesadilla. I see what you mean. It is It is not really necessarily a, as much a pizza. I, I get that. Yeah. Hey, if you have to empty the lint trap in your dryer or it'll cause a fire, how come you don't have to empty the crumbs out of your toaster? You should, probably. I would have thought that too. But apparently people, again... It just burns off, doesn't it? <laughs> that's where all that the smoke's coming assume? from. Is that what people assume? It's just going to burn off. It's fine. You know, some of the things that young people are so proud to discover... The rest of us have just taken it for oh, granted for all these years. Sake, yeah. I always I knew that. Mean. Go ahead. If you want to see how gross your toaster is, take it over to the sink, unplug it first. Take your toaster over to the sink, turn it upside down, and pat the bottom of it for a little bit. It's nasty. Well, they even have. Tra- I mean, they have trays. Most toasters have a tray. It's maybe it's hard to see unless you're looking for it. But you would just pull the tray out, and it collects all of the crumbs right there. You know what's so funny too? The other day, I got a message from a friend of mine. That's so embarrassed because she's like, "I'm never." Cleaned my washer. Do you clean your washer often? Your clothes clothes washer. And by that, I mean your trap. The trap in the washer? Yeah. yeah. There's a washer trap? (laughs) You're going to have so much nasty shit in there. You're going to be like, your mind's going to be blown. Really? When you have a chance. Where is it? At the bottom of every washer. Do you have a top? You don't have a top load, right? It's a front loader. Front loader. Yeah. So at the bottom, usually like on the left corner or the right corner, you're going to see a little little, um, door, basically. 
you got to flick that up and flick that open. And then there is a knob, a nozzle, you turn it. Before you even do that, lay a towel down underneath it, though, because water's going to spew out. Not a ton, but enough that it'll fuck with you. So you put a towel down. You like to be warned before that happens? Yeah. You don't want to get shot in the face or anything? preparation. So then, anyway, so then you twist the, the knob out. Every, that where do you think all the stuff goes that you have accidentally in your pocket in the washer? If it gets through the machine, it has to go somewhere. There's actually a trap. Lake Ontario inside the wa- inside the washer. There's a trap for it. You'll find all kinds of shit in there, man. Toothpicks or whatever the hell you have in your pocket that you might have accidentally had in there. Trust me, it's a gross situation. It's nasty. There's going to be hair. It's going to be gross. But clean it out because that's what the water's touching. Ew. Yeah, it's so ew. And and then after you do that, just check the inside rubber part, you know, like the rubber edge. Pull that back. Just pull that flat back and you'll see all kinds of other nasty shit. You should wash that out normally. But it blew my mind that it blew my friend's mind. She didn't even know it existed and she saw it and on a TikTok. She's like, I didn't even know I had to clean this. She's like, I pulled out all this shit. Look at this shit. It was like a ball of hair and all this. Sh- yeah, I was like, you got to clean that. You got to clean it. First off, you're very Martha Stewartish today. Sorry, you're telling me sorry. about clean eating and how I need to clean my <laughs> washing the toaster machine. The thing and- reminded me because it isn't until we see these things that we go, oh, this is a part of the life course that I would like people to take. I want people to take a life course. Let's learn just basics on nutrition. Let's learn how to clean a washer. Let's learn how to what to do with your toaster and any other thing that you can think of because everybody has a thing that they are shocked other people don't know about, right? Well, in this case, it's a two-year-old TikTok going viral now where a woman from a cleaning company asks, when is the last time you cleaned out your toaster tray? Apparently, it's going viral because most people didn't even know a toaster has a tray for crumbs. You see what I mean? Like, fuck this world we live in. They're claiming it was a hidden compartment. Not hidden, by the way. It's not that hard to find. Yeah, it's... uh, clean the damn thing well you should empty out the crumbs but Ah. again back to the other question if you have to clean clean out the lint trap in the dryer or it's like a clear and present imminent danger here or it'll start a fire why wouldn't the same apply to your toast i can just picture it one time i'm gonna go and make myself a well some some toast for breakfast and before you know it the whole goddamn kitchen's on fire (laughs) i'm sure it's happened before there's been people who probably left like a half of a piece of toast in there and then retoasted it not knowing (laughs) I, I don't know why it doesn't happen more often. It's a, it's a dangerous situation, but I, that just boggles my mind. You don't even know that there's a tray. A couple of quick things that I want to play for you before we wrap up this episode of After 9. We're going to talk about Top Gun Maverick in just a sec. Yeah. First off, Elon Musk. Is he the wealthiest or second wealthiest? He, He's one of the wealthiest men in the world, right? Yeah, I think, I'm just trying to think of following his his purchase at the Twitter shares, if that changed. But um, what's his nuts there? Jeff Bezos just bought a, a yacht. And a mini yacht for his yacht. So it's hard to keep track, but I'm pretty sure at last check, he is the richest man alive. One of the best ways that you can save money is be mortgage free. Either because you've paid off your mortgage or because you plain just don't own a home. No mortgage makes your monthly income a lot more fluid. Elon Musk does not own a home. Listen to this. For sure, it would be very problematic if I was consuming billions of dollars a year in personal consumption. But that is not the case. In fact, I don't even own a home right now. I'm literally staying at friends' places. I, if I travel to the Bay Area, where most of Tesla Engineering is, I, I stay in my... I basically rotate through friends' spare bedrooms. I don't have a yacht. I, I really don't take vacations. So 
It's not as though there's um, that my personal consumption is is high. I mean, the one exception is a plane. But if I don't use the plane, then I have less hours to work. People are criticizing him for the amount of money he spent to try and buy TikTok. And and his defense, Twitter. like you, uh, sorry, yeah. Twitter. His defense, like you just heard, was it's not like I'm wasting my money on me buying frivolous shit. I don't yeah. even own a home. Well, let's pause for a second. You don't own a home. Isn't that crazy? This is the richest man worth many billions, and he doesn't even have a place he calls his home. Really. He was also, you might remember, he was living when they were really launching um, his SpaceX stuff. He was living in like a 375 square foot little like apartment, mini apartment in there. That was his home for a while, but he didn't even own it. He just lived in it because he wanted to be close to work as he was working on this stuff. And apparently at Tesla, it was a similar situation at first where he was just like living in like a makeshift apartment. He doesn't care to have a place to live. He wants to eliminate all those things in his life. He truly does live like that, but he says he'd rather put his money and resources into making the world a better place. And you, I don't know, like that's, I think that's pretty cool. Okay, so what would it be like? Your buddy Elon, who you know is a little quirky and a little weird, but he's got a lot of cash, phones you up and says, hey, Kat, I'm going to be in Kitchener this weekend. You mind if I crash at your place? I don't want to get a hotel. I know. Like, how strange of a call would that be? Like, oh, you want to you want to crash at my place? Okay, I'll I'll make up the guest bed for you. Uh, Like, sure. You multi-billionaire that could stay at literally stay at any hotel in the world at the penthouse that he wanted to. He could walk in and buy any hotel in the world if he wanted to. It's coming to my house to sleep in my guest bedroom. Yeah, it's strange, but I'm, I guess if you're friends, he's not a he's not a he's he's a str- I mean this in the best of ways. I truly do because he's very he's not a he's an unusual person. I'll put it that way. He's an unusual person, and that's what's gotten him this far. Is and. It, even in his personal life, in his friendships, it's probably just that way. Everybody knows. Like, oh, Elon called again. He's, how long is he staying for this time? Oh, a week. But I'm sure that said, it's not like he doesn't pitch in on stuff or do stuff for you. As a friend of Elon Musk, I'm sure that that's a pretty cool existence, too. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, if, if Elon Musk calls you up and is like, hey, Kat, I'm going to be in Kitchener. just want to crash for a night. Can I stay at your place? I don't think you need to go over the top. Like, I think he's just happy to have a bed yeah. and a roof over his head. I truly believe that. So you go ahead and do it all up. And a guest room's nice. Maybe you get us a nice little set of flowers from the grocery store or something. Set it <laughs> on the end table. Maybe even make him a little breakfast the next morning or Uber Eats in some, some McDonald's or something. Fine. He seems like the kind of guy that even though he could buy a house, would rather crash at a friend's house, but would probably be like, hey, thanks a million for the hospitality. Just let me know how much the mortgage is and I'm just going to pay it off on the way home. Yeah, it's Thanks fine. for letting me stay. Yeah. Your Tesla will arrive next week for you. That the sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> oh, I noticed you've got an extra space in your driveway. Hang on, Tesla's going to drop off a new car for you this week. Thanks for letting me stay I for mean, the night. I mean, maybe, maybe. If that was the case, Elon, my place, dude. Anytime. I got a great place. Oh, anytime. Bud. I've got a garden shed that I'm considering making into a smoke shack. You come on over anytime, bro. You can have it. You can have it. Uh, last thing I want to play is I'm so excited for the movie Top Gun Maverick. When I was growing up, Top Gun was one of my favorite movies. And, and I had all kinds of F-18 fighter jets that I would play with. And, and the movie was great. And I wanted to be Maverick. Loved it. And now they're making a new one. And I'm so excited that uh, my son doesn't really care that much, but he has watched Top Gun with me in the past because he knows how much I like it. So when you announced a couple weeks ago the firm release date for this movie, I phoned him and I'm like, 
I don't give a shit about your exams. If you're not done school, you're coming home because we're going to see this fucking movie. And now he's pumped up for it, too. It's amazing. So we've got date night planned between my son and I the night the Top Gun Maverick comes out. And now I'm even more fascinated based on this clip. Tom Cruise is a maniac. He's a maniac. And and I don't know if Tom Cruise kind of reminds me a little bit of Tom Brady. In that when you hire Tom Brady to be your team's quarterback, you're giving up a lot. Not just money, you're giving up control. Because Tom does things Tom's mm-hmm. way. And Tom Cruise is exactly the same. Yeah. You may have, you may be the executive producer and director. But if you hire Tom Cruise, you better expect that Tom Cruise is going to want things done the way he wants it done. Because that's part of the deal when you hire him, is that he's got to have a lot of control. Well, in this movie, you can't make it without him. Nope. And he called the shots on this one. He mandated that the actors and actresses in this movie have to know how to fly the F-18. So in the initially, in a lot of these movies you see where they're flying these these jets, it's a lot of stunt doubles, basically, that know how to fly and fine. And all well and good. And I don't think anybody really complained about it. But Tom Cruise does things legit. I think anybody who even knows a little bit about it knows that even for the Mission Impossible movies, he will do the stunts. He's hanging on to a door of a plane up in the air. He's doing that. He's doing every single thing. And for him, there was no exceptions with this movie. With Top Gun Maverick, he wanted to have everyone doing everything that they were supposed to be doing. No fakes, no doubles, no nothing. No, no green screen, no CGI. None of that shit. You're actually flying the F-18s. It was last week we learned from Jerry. Uh, is it Jerry Bruckheimer that's behind this? I think it is. Uh, it may, it may have been Jerry. It may have been another producer. But he says. That I think it's adorable when you ask a question and answer it before I can even I tell you what Jerry. the actual I'm sorry. answer is. Is it Jerry? It is Jerry. I right? believe it's Jerry yeah, Bruckheimer. Yeah. So he said that there was 800 hours of footage for this movie. 800 hours for one movie that's coming out on the 27th of May, for those wondering. 800 hours they had to sift through. For all three Lord of the Ring movies alone the raw footage doesn't even equal 800 for all three lord of the, which are like three and a half hours a piece that's what they cut together th- all three combined so you can imagine how much and how much work this was he says in any given day of shooting this movie they only used about sometimes 30 seconds of footage really? for one full day equals about 30 seconds so with that backstory in mind Listen to, this is Jerry, this is Tom, huh, Tom and Jerry, and uh, another producer, and I, I don't know her name, but this is them talking about the backstory about uh, what the actors had to go th- I say endure, because I think this sounds exhausting, in order to do this movie. We worked with the Navy and the Top Gun School to formulate how to shoot it practically, because if we're going to do it, we're going to fly in the F-18s. The aviation sequences had to be real. So our actors went through three months of grueling training. The Navy says if you eject, you have to be able to survive in the water. So we had to go through that challenging underwater program. From there, Tom designed this all-encompassing aviation training for all the actors. also had to learn how to run the cameras because when they're up in the jet they have to direct themselves essentially okay i'm rolling i had to really teach them cinematography and the lighting so that they understood what's gonna look good on camera sun angles great everybody thought it would be impossible for actors to really be in the jets but that's the gift that tom gave us that by the time we got up there we could handle it okay a couple things wow that's intense that's an interview with the director and the lead actor that sounds like a trailer. That got me hyped up. 
I don't know if you'll notice it when you're listening to this pod, but in our studio here, we have full surround sound. This movie's going to be great. When they did the original Top Gun, they didn't film it the way they film movies now because it was filmed back in the 80s. And there's so many people that see those jets in that movie and think, fuck, this is going to be great. We got to get it on Blu-ray and the surround sound will be good. And when you get it on Blu-ray, the surround sound's good, but it's not like it is today. You're not getting that 7.1 surround sound that this movie's going to be. You got to see this one in a theater because the sound will blow you away. And that's the thing, too, is I'm curious about because everything is legit. It, they must have actually had a lot of issues with sound because the engine of an F-18 would fucking blow out any speaker in real life. So I can't even imagine what it was like in post-production for this. Well, when Tom is taking over a movie like Tom did here for this one, and I don't blame him. It's his name on it. This is his legacy. You got to know this is going to be insane. This is going to be such a good movie. I can't wait. And that just gets me even more excited. The fact that these actors and actresses, oh, hey, I got my actor card. Great. Okay. Well, a lot of people have one of those. They're not hard to get. But your actor card lets you fly an F-18 fighter jet. You are living the dream of so many people. That scared the shit out of me. That would scare the shit out of me. I'd be like, I'm an actress. I don't want to do this. (laughs) No. But hey, good for them. I guess they feel a lot of trust. And there's something to be said for that, too. Last but certainly not least, it's, I think, six weeks away. And we just found out about it yesterday. The match. Where they do a round of golf and they televise it. And it's got celebrities in it. Did you see the lineup for who's playing in June? No, tell me. It is Tom Brady paired up with Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Okay, all right. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, this is team old, taking on team young, Josh Allen, quarterback from the Buffalo Bills, and Patrick Mahomes, quarterback from the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, cute. The four top quarterbacks arguably in the game are playing each other in a round of golf in Las Vegas. And it's going to be televised just like a PGA event. Would is this be. like a charity thing? What is this for? Uh, it's the capital one, the match. I think it capital sponsors it. Uh, there is a charity component yeah, to it, but yeah. it's mainly for bragging rights. Hey, I love watching Josh Allen play football. I think it'd be kind of neat to watch him play golf. Anytime I watch a pro-am, I'm always amazed at some of the celebrities and how good they are at the sport. Justin Timberlake is a scratch golfer. Mm -hmm. He could probably be a threat to get a tour card if he ever wanted to play in a PGA Tour event. When you watch Michael Jordan play golf, he's a better golfer than he was basketball player. And that's Michael Jordan. The pro-ams that they do at some of the big events are just unbelievable. And this one, four storied quarterbacks playing team golf. I like that. That's fun. That's That's going to be great. Uh, We'll probably talk about that a little bit more as it gets closer, but we've reached well over time for today. Have yourselves a fantastic, what day is it? It's Tuesday, Tuesday. right? Oh, it's back to work for the government office or government employees today. Oh, welcome back, everybody. I forgot to mention that on the air. You got that extra holiday. Have a great one, everybody. We'll be back here tomorrow with another episode of After Night. The FDA just authorized the first ever COVID breath test. Now there's nasal swabs and breathalyzers. Right, which means pretty soon you'll see two lines at CVS, one that says up yours, the other one says blow me. <laughs> New Jersey is set this week to begin allowing the sale of recreational marijuana. So now when people drive in New Jersey, instead of what's that smell, they'll be saying, ooh, what's that smell? 
a man named Ramiro Alanis saw the new Spider-Man movie 292 times, breaking the Guinness World Record for seeing a single movie the most times in the theater. He took the No Way Home part of the Spider-Man very seriously. A Florida man was arrested recently after authorities found a baby alligator, firearms, and drugs in his car during a traffic stop. So they had to cancel the gender reveal party. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.